Hey everyone, it is Shelly and Adam back with another Marketing Monday. Shelly's not in the pallet. I always do this wrong. Shelly's not in the pallet prison. She's in her lovely, lovely new-ish house and is sitting in front of the fireplace, as you should when we get the first snowfall of Sioux Falls. And okay, I'm this is number two. This is number two? We had snow the other day. Where were Does you? That, does that really even count? It did to me because I drove through it and it was snowing. That's snow. Okay, it counts for you. I'm gonna count this one as the first one because I didn't, I didn't see it. So obviously, it didn't happen the last time. Okay, <laughs> it was, it was, it was just the frost melting off of the off of the ground last time. But speaking of frost, this is a terrible segue. But we have this lovely, lovely lady right here, Paige Sarda, with Reach Literacy, and we're gonna be talking some books today and literacy issues so uh Paige, you and i we were just speaking a little bit ago about what kind of what reach is so would you mind just kind of giving a well basically just repeating everything that you just said because sure. we'd love to have people repeat themselves on yeah, here event we like to talk about ourselves um so our primary mission is literacy um and we've been doing that for 34 years uh, we started out as a prison ministry we would go up to the penitentiary work with adults up there when they would come out on parole and probation we'd work with adults um, as South Dakota has really changed and we've had a lot of um, immigration and migration into the um, into South Dakota, we've really changed over into much more of a English as a second language and working with people, teaching them um, kind of literacy skills that are um, more focused on language and learning that language. Um, that's It's a, incredibly challenging because if you've ever had to teach yourself a language or learn a new language, it's, it's just time consuming in general. I tried once and then I yeah. gave up on it. I know. It's, I mean, and some people really have an affinity for it. What I find really fascinating is a lot of the folks that we deal with um, don't just speak one language. They speak their own language. They might speak a tribal language. Um, and then they speak maybe two or three other languages. And then they're working on English. And so, you know, incredibly smart, incredibly talented. Um, but English is, English is hard, just like anything else. It's just there's a lot of idioms and a lot of words that mean lots of other things, you know, particularly like two, two and two. Or, you know, there's a ton of different ways to say you have to go to the bathroom for one, you know, so that can be complicated. So we've done that for a long time. But because literacy is such a big deal for us, about four years ago, we started a bookstore. Um, it's another way for us to engage community. And um, we think literacy starts in the home. And so we wanted to be able to provide books back out to the community um, through kids books, through teacher grants, through sell, through be able to donate. And it, that bookstores really blossomed and it's kind of taking over a big part of our business at this point. Hmm. So I'm very curious, what, um, what drove you to want to do this in the first place? Like what, what about literacy is so important to you? Um, I mean, I've always been, I probably read less now than I did before, which is terrible to admit on air. Um, it, but you just get, I do so much reading for other stuff, but um, I've been a voracious reader kind of my whole life. Um, I, you know, every, the library in my little hometown was open on Saturday morning. And so I'd get on my, um, 10 speed or my little banana bike and I would drive down there with my basket and I'd pick out, you know, every book I could find and read all those until next Saturday. Um, our whole family's readers. Um, I think the other thing too, is that when you look at literacy statistics and, um, if, if we want to change 
people's lives and we want to be able to make an impact in people's lives, education is the first thing that you do for people. That That's really a gateway. It doesn't mean that they have to go to college, but just giving them that opportunity to be able to understand what they're reading, understand what they're writing. So I've always been really passionate about that kind of work. And then when this position came open, it just seemed like a great fit for me. Hmm. Yeah, it's. Um, I think it really goes back to just consuming knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. And right. the great part about today is that there's a multitude of ways that you can absorb knowledge. Um, and I mean, obviously reading has got to be, I would say reading's probably got to be at the core focus of all of that, right? Like if you don't understand what you're reading, um, you, you might be able to, you miss a lot of um, idiosyncrasies when you're listening to someone talk or right. something along those lines. Like there's a lot of hidden things that you miss out on. I think the other thing, you know, like a lot of people listen to, I listen to, like, I'll read some stuff and then I may, I don't want to put all the energy into it. So I do have a lot of like audiobooks that I listen to. Um, it's, it's still great. You can listen a couple of um, Lexile levels above your ability to read. And yep. still, that's great. I think the thing with reading, though, and that physical actual reading that written word is it really challenges your brain to kind of hardwire and think about things in a completely different way. You just retain a lot more knowledge that way and being able to um, dissect what a sentence means. And you pick up so many more nuances when your brain has to decide you know, when you watch a movie, everybody kind of gets the same interpretation when you read a book and you talk to somebody else, you're like, I didn't take it like that. Like, I didn't understand. I didn't think that's the way it was written at all. And the other person assumed it was it was that one way. So that's what I think is really great about, you know, actually that actual reading component. I'm, uh, sorry, Shelly, just one one quick question. I'm really curious on your thoughts on um, quote unquote speed reading. Um, obviously, you know, when we're talking about just literacy, like obviously you can't just do speed reading and then be 50% illiterate or, you know, whatever you have to kind of understand what you're saying. But like, I'm just curious on just for my personal selfishness, I'm just curious on what your thoughts are on speed reading. I don't know if she can hear you. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. I was talking to you, Paige. Oh, you said jelly. I'm sorry. Yeah, my bad. Um, you know, I think it, I, so it's different. Like, for example, when I have to read, like I just, I finished my master's last year and there was tons of reading, right? You know, you might have to read 300, 400 pages in a week. I am not reading every single solitary word on that page. I, when I have to read for that kind of context, um, I don't know about anybody else, but I read in paragraphs. Mm -hmm. So I can read a, a paragraph at a, you know, basically absorb that information at a time. It doesn't mean I can tell it you back verbatim, but I, I have enough background knowledge, you know, in reading and enough um, critical knowledge to know what I'm, what I'm uh, interpreting. If I didn't have that, that would be challenging. Like if I had to read about a topic I knew nothing about, I wouldn't be able to do that. But if it's an, uh, something I already know, then I read in those, you know, bulk kind of paragraphs and, the, and, other people do too. My husband, for his job, he has to, every word's important. So he reads word for word for word. It takes him a really long time. He gets frustrated, but that's that's kind of his, the way he, he has to interpret stuff. And consequently, yep. he doesn't forget. He remembers everything he reads. Yep. So the, the, reason, the reason why I was asking is because in school, um, I had a really high um, reading comprehension um level like a really high that was that was a skill that i've had and something i still pretty still carry to this day like my reading comprehension usually is 
pretty good about something. But it wasn't until just like last year that I was listening to a um, Tim Ferriss um, podcast. And he was talking about speed reading. And he's like, you know, if you want to learn more information about this, I've, I've butchered this thing a hundred times. Like um, I've talked about it a, a, a hundred times. Um, go and read about my blog post on it. And so I just out of curiosity went and read it. And he basically broke down that the human brain, um, if you just train your eyes to just read the the middle third of a sentence, you will automatically fill in and or already interpret what the other th- um, the left third and the right third of that sentence is because, you know, sentences can only get, get broken down so many different ways. Right. Um, and you've more than likely seen that sentence done before, you know, yada, yada, yada. So then right. if you just read the middle third, you can very quickly consume a lot of information. But that one, I was kind of like iffy on. However, what he did um, point out and something I didn't even realize until, well, I mean, just later, earlier this year was that books are broken down are purposely made with a lot of fluff to them. Um, and uh, I should probably point out, I'm talking about um, uh, nonfiction, like business oriented type books, like self-help books. Right. There's a lot of inherent fluff to it. Like they're basically just delivering 80% fluff to a 20 to the 20% like core idea. And so you just, if you just like re- get to the last paragraph of the chapter or the last I don't know, dozen paragraphs of the last chapter, that that whole chapter was basically just doing everything it can to stretch out the chapter to those last couple of paragraphs. And right. then you can just read the last couple of paragraphs. And it's like, oh, okay, this is the idea that they were trying to get across. Right. And so I was as I, I was like, no, there's no way. And then I started reading books that way. And I was like, shit, I've wasted a lot of time. <laughs> but, you know, it depends on what you want to read, right? Like if you're reading sure. for enjoyment and part of that, is that character building and the world building, um, you know, like, I don't know if you've read any of the George R. R. Martin books. He's like um, uh, you know, Game of Thrones, all of that. Oh. Like he'll take um, a paragraph, you know, and turn it into four chapters and you're like, get to the point, you know? So, but depending on the person, they might really love all of that extraneous detail for me. I, I got kind of tired of it. Cause I was like, I don't, I don't need to know about the blades of grass, you know, <laughs> but it's, that's that's what reading's about. You find what you love and other people like, you know, devour that. And same thing like with Tolkien stuff. He's this huge world builder. And so it's active imagination. And that's that's important for people. I was I was actually just gonna bring up um Tol- Tolkien, um, because I actually read that entire series of books well before Lord of the Rings came out. And I think I was in like sixth or seventh grade and I read The Hobbit all the way up to, um, I forget, The the King Has Returned or The Return of the King or something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, thick books with a lot of like, like you said, a lot of world building and you, there's no way you could speed read that. It would be, it would be completely pointless to speed read something like that. Right. Because you lose, you lose the inherent interest of what you're reading yep. for. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Sorry, Shelly, that I went off on this totally separate um i don't know rant so i mean you hit what i was going to touch on page actually about that but then we can kind of move on to the business stuff but i i think part of that has to do with the imagination building part of it right so like as kids especially you know when you're reading some of that stuff when you're younger in middle school high school 
like it is about that world building. It's like, it's about understanding and letting your imagination kind of build that world around you and imagine what that world is like outside of your own narrow experience. And then once you become an adult, you're kind of like, yeah, I already know what this world looks like. And so it seems like that's just so fluffy to read some of that stuff that you probably have already had some type of experience with or read other books that had that experience in it or whatever that is. And that's just my narrow view on it. But the the word imagination was the thing that stood out to me there. Like fluff is like urging you to use your imagination. And there's the same reason like, oops, I don't know if that's me. Sorry. Um, the same reason that a lot of young adult books are written in trilogies or parts is because you get really comfortable as a kid, you know, you built this character up in your head and you have a familiarity with it. Um, and so a lot of times kids are like, I want to read the exact same thing again, because I love this so much. And so instead of having that author have to recreate a whole new world and a whole new set of characters, that's why like the Hunger Games is a trilogy or, you know, Harry Potter. I mean, there, because there is comfortability and you're going to have a built in, reader right off the bat you know hmm. that's most kids are going to read the entire thing you know start to finish you know and more than once probably yep so. i've i've read the harry potter series probably more t more times than i really care to admit right right <laughs> i've never read it listen Fantastic. to it you should listen to it that's actually really good listening to too the guy who does it jim dale is amazing so he's really incredible so so, um, so jumping into reach and marketing and all of that, you know, Paige and I have talked a, a couple different times in a couple different settings about different marketing stuff. We've actually worked together through Fire Bros, doing some marketing promotion together and some other stuff. But, you know, one of the things that has always fascinated me about reach is that I feel like it's ran so much differently than a typical nonprofit. Like, I think people don't, when they think of reach, either they think of it as a nonprofit or they think of it as a bookstore. It's, I feel like it's one or the other. And I feel right, like right. Paige has a really unique position that she is in, in that there's very few directors. Is that your title? Yeah. Yeah. There's very few directors out there that, that not only run a nonprofit, but that also run a business. Like Reach is a full on, I'm assuming probably six figure or close to it in sales. Not there yet, but we're hoping to be, so. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's so, it's so fascinating to me that as a director, like they, they kind of do everything and the way that it has grown and the mission behind it, it's kind of like the original social justice or social cause kind of business out there, you know? And yeah. I think I'd love to hear you speak a little bit to that about how you came into that role and how you've managed that position. You know, you don't have an entire staff of people underneath you because you're a nonprofit and you don't have that that capability at this point. Yeah, it's. I, I hope you can hear me. Sorry, I don't know if that's me or. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of an interesting. I mean, we started this bookstore and like I we were just like let's do this and you know that's probably not the best way to start a business without any knowledge of how to do a business. Um, we just. Um, really I would, I'm gonna stop you there. That's how every <laughs> entrepreneur starts their business. <laughs> Every so, one of them. So started two of them that way. Right. <laughs> Might as well. <laughs> right. So you know, it was like little by little, and a lot of it was trial and error. Like, what did we think? And especially with pricing books and what what was fair, what wasn't, and this constant growing. And now that we've been in this position for two years and going on three, we feel I do feel a lot more comfortable about 
what what sells in our store, what we're looking for, what what we're going to do. Um, it is really challenging because right now um, I do have a, a part-time bookstore manager. Um, the challenge with COVID right now is that like she should be full-time and I should have another person under her because what happens is I end up taking on a lot of extra, you know, setting up all the Shopify stuff and making, you know, all the backdoor stuff, which takes away from all the other programming stuff that I'm actually supposed to be doing for, for reach. Um, right now though, our bookstore is supporting our program because we're a little bit on hold. So without that bookstore, you know, we might be in much more dire straits than we were. Um, and the bookstore is really just kind of, it's turned into a beast. It's its own. It's great. I mean, it's, it's amazing. We love it. The feedback is always phenomenal and people come in, we love your store. It's so amazing in here. The energy is great. We get good feedback. People love to come time and time and again, they like to buy books. They like to return them. They like to support us that way. So, um, for us, yeah, it does feel like a little bit, we talk about this a lot, like how to marry those two organizations, you know, because they do feel like there's a divide, like the bookstore is here and program reach programming is over here. So some of the stuff that we're doing to remedy that a little bit is we started doing the teacher grants, you know, and the free kid book giveaways. So just as, because it's literacy based, so kids can come in every time you come in you get five free kids books. Does You don't have to prove you have a kid. You can come in on your own. We're not going to make you pull out a picture of your child. Um, and then we do teacher grants. So teachers can apply for a grant and get 25 free books so that they can put those back. So people who donate like to know that their books are actually going back out into the community or we do giveaways to schools or, you know, like summer slide, like we did this summer with 10,000 books. The other thing that we're working on doing now is we're starting a pilot program with Axtell Park um, to support their middle school readers. They have a group of about 20 kids who are just behind and they're not ESL, they're not on IEP, any of that. They just need somebody to help support their reading. And so we're working with um, the librarian there to do like be a, a reading buddy. You're not a mentor, you're not you're not going to be best friends. I mean, you can be if you want to, but really your goal is just to be a reading buddy with them. And then we're hoping in January to work, and that'll be over Zoom because pandemic stuff. Um, and then we're hoping with Annie Sullivan starting in January, February to do the same thing with a targeted population of kiddos there. So really trying to tie our bookstore back into and our literacy, youth literacy into kind of our programming so that it feels a little more succinct and kind of tied together. Cause I do agree with you, Shelly. It feels like there's a little bit of a split. So, so is that with, so that pairs up like a middle school, middle school student with a middle school student or an adult with a middle an adult school with student. a middle school student. And so really the, um, they have books that they um, are supposed to be reading. And so that, that adult would just log on at the, during reading time with that kid and that kid would just read to them and then they would just, kind of work through any of the challenges that they have with the text or sometimes, you know, just like it's so much harder to read aloud to somebody than it is in your head because now you have to pronounce, you have to, and then, then you have somebody saying, are you sure that's what, cause like if you read it with as a question or if you read it in a different, you're like, what did you think happened? So it, it gives the opportunity for the um, reading buddy to ask good questions of the kids too, to make sure they're um, getting the concept, you know, so I can read something. I can read a whole text in Spanish, but I couldn't tell you what it said same kind of concept for kids. We want to be able to make sure that what they're actually reading, they're understanding as well. And so we'll start that hopefully in the next two weeks. <clears throat> so from a, from a business perspective to continue to expand on that, like what, 
what are some of your business roles on the daily? If you're not doing programming, like what are your, what does a day in the life page look like right now for this business? Um, besides cleaning the bathrooms and dumping garbage. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's part of it too. Right, right. Um, I do all of our social media at this point. So I do, I do all of our Instagram and our Facebook, um, which is why I show up in a lot of our videos because I don't mind making fun of myself. Um, so I plan all that stuff out. I, um, I, along with the bookstore manager, we talk about like all the sales that we want to have or all the promotions through the bookstore. Um, I help set up events. I organize events for the bookstore. Um, from a programming standpoint, I do have a part-time person, but um, she's part-time. We're in the process right before COVID hit to hire a full-time and a part-time. And we've just, we put that on hold because we we're not comfortable with that before that. Um, and so that's been a little challenging. So my job a lot of time is on the programming side is to ensure locations and sites. Um, I help talk about the money part of it. I do all the grant writing and all the fundraising. I do have a board obviously that helps with that, but I do, um, like our Bruja I have a, a team of people that help us do our event. Um, and so it just depends on the day. Some days, like I spent most of the morning on bookstore stuff. And so this, the afternoon's got to be spent on programming, you know, specific programming because the bookstore will take over my entire day if I let it. I mean, it's, it's gotten that big that it's become a beast. It's, it's great, but it's all consuming. And so I need to find a little time to carve out to actually do the other part of my job. So. So Shelly had mentioned earlier that <clears throat> the way that reach is run is a lot different than most, most nonprofits. <clears throat> and I have to say, like, I really like this idea of the way that you guys are doing it. Although I can see where, you know, in, in everything that you're saying right now, where probably this is probably why most, well, actually, I probably shouldn't say that. There's probably reasons as to why most nonprofits aren't done this way, but I can see where this can very quickly kind of get into a resource problem where you basically, you're only having so many people that are going to be so interested in this cause in the first place. And then if you have your core six people, we'll just say six people that you're now having to split them between two different kinds of businesses. One's a, you know, nonprofit, but then you have a for-profit that feeds the nonprofit and so on and so forth. You're essentially running two businesses just off that same group of people. And it gets yes. to be very challenging. Yes. But as we're, as we're talking, I'm just trying to think <clears throat> in my head. Um, I think the, I think the idea of trying to marry the bookstore with the with the cause of the, um, with the, um, sorry, I'm blanking on um, nonprofit is a really good idea because it's statistically proven and you see more and more companies executing on it right now that people are more willing and happy to buy something if there's a cause behind it. And um, I mean, this what, what better cause is there than, well, I shouldn't say that. I'm gonna get myself in trouble, but there, there's, there's few causes out there that are better than while just giving someone the basic gift of reading, you know? Right. right. Uh, so I, I, I really like that, but I'm struggling to understand why there would be, um, are you guys, are you guys having issues getting people to understand that there's, that there's a connection there? Like, yeah, what? 
I mean, because part of it, you know, like people see the only contact they might have with us is through the bookstore. Right. And so they don't really see us, even though we have a website and we have, you know, it's on our Facebook page. Um, you know, they don't see um, the literacy component. Now, granted, we don't talk about it as much because there is some privacy issue. We're not going to tout every learner we have and showcase them like, you know, dog and pony show. That's not respectful to people either. Um, and so we try to do, you know, um, in our newsletter, you know, our newsletter goes out. If I, you know, if I can get it, I write the newsletter too, you know, um, at least twice a month. There's always something about literacy up front at the top, and then the rest might be about the bookstore. So we still, every time they come in, people were like, hey, have you heard about Reach? You know, do you know, you know, when you buy a book, that goes back to support our adult literacy and our literacy, you know, programming that we do. So that, that gets talked about all the time. So it's getting better, but there's still that dichotomy for people understanding, you know, what we do on the bigger scale, because their only context with us is, you know, either through the, bookstore. through the bookstore. So even though we have material up, we have a whole wall. That's all of our, you know, learners pictures. We have a book that we put out, you know, I mean, we get asked every single day if we take book donations and it's, it's in 75,000 locate, you know, yes, we take book, you know, so even though we're shoving it in people's pace, you know, faces. They just they, don't get it. Yeah. And I, I think that's just time, time and time and time, you know, so. Well, uh, so this just popped into my, sorry, no, no, go ahead. Get my head before I forget it. So this just popped into my head. So have you guys ever ran numbers in comparison of um, the number of books that you sold in a year to the number of books that you donated in a year? Like, are they pretty one for one? Um, it's hard to know exactly like books that we've sold because like our books aren't, I mean, I can give, I can tell you, uh, I'd have to think with Shopify, it's a little bit different. We just switched over to a new system. So I have to think about it with shopkeep. I could tell you how many, uh, how many individual products I sold. Mm -hmm. Um, we are, we are taking in way more books than we're selling. I know that. So you know, the reason I if we're taking in 160,000 books, I know we're not selling 160,000 right. books. The I'd reason I ask that, right? is like, you know, you think it, so I'm thinking of Tom's, right? So uh, the most recent Shark Tank episode this past week had the, the founder of Tom's on there. And, you know, Tom's mission is buy a pair, give a pair, right? You buy a pair and they donate a pair. So the reason that popped into my head is I wonder if that would be an easy way to express what you guys do um, and the literacy component of it. If those numbers were pretty even that you could easily have a simple tagline of like, buy a book, give a book kind of a thing like that we've donated this number of books for every book we sold, even though that's not your mission per se, right, but it, right. again, it makes people feel like, oh, if I buy a, if I buy one of these, or if I buy five of these, they're donating five of them, and it allows you to continue that mission. Right. 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 Um, I mean, it does. We do. I think that's one of the reasons, like, um, especially for kids' books, people really enjoy that we give away the five free books, you know, um, because it's low stakes. So they can take the five out. It's not that big of a deal. If their kids don't like it, they just come, they bring them back to us the next week. It's kind of like a library. Um, uh, and so people are more than willing to donate their kids' books because they know that we're actually donating those back. I mean, 90% of those get donated back out. But I do, yeah, you're right. It's having something that feels um, 
you know, something, because we do, we, we've, we've talked a little bit lately about updating kind of our message that we give to people when they come in, you know, so we used to say all the time, if you spend $50, that's how much, or if you buy a membership, that's how much it costs to educate and buy the initial materials to educate an adult learner. People are like, oh, that's kind of cool, you know, so, but the same kind of, so it's the same kind of concept, you know, having, donating a book, getting a book. Sorry, um, I'm, I'm looking off in the distance because I'm just trying to think about what, what the, what we could do here. Um, so I really like the idea of like buy a book, give a book type of thing. Obviously you are not having any issues with supply. So that actually kind of gets it to a point where like, you know, well, you can just, I mean, everything you get is not usable, you know, so yeah, I mean, we got, we got 30 books in today that are so dirty, they'll just go in the garbage, you know, and we just say, thanks so much, you know, but there's only so much you can do. You know, you just are grateful and say thanks and hopefully they'll donate dollars the next time. <laughs> would you, would you say that um, 70 to 80% of the books you get in though are usable? Like yeah. I mean, so, I, so basically what happens when we get books in, we, we curate those books. And so then we, we have kind of a set of timelines that we, that we look at them, you know, based on their age and condition. 